Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Traverse Theatre, Edinburgh. We now join the theatre's associate director and your host, Emma Callender. Hello and welcome to the Travcast. My name's Emma Callender and I'm the associate director of the Traverse Theatre and this is my chance to speak with writers about the process of writing. Um, I'm very happy today to be joined by Ian Finlay-McLeod, who has a very long, long relationship with the Travis. Um, Over 24 years, he's been working on uh, around seven pieces for the Travis, from full commissions to shorter pieces. He's originally from the Isle of Lewis, where he still lives. Ian has recently been non-residence with the Traverse through the Institute of Advanced Studies and Humanities through Edinburgh University, and through that residency has written a brilliant piece called The Devil Masters, which is playing at the Traverse for our Christmas season this year. So welcome, Ian. Hello. How are you? Great, thanks. Yes, it's press night tonight, so I'm a little bit nervous, but in a nice um, kind of way, I think. (laughs) It's great. Um, the Devil Masters is a very traditionally Traverse Christmas piece in that it's Christmassy and yet quite surprising. So I think we'll talk about that later on. Um, I'd like to ask you how your relationship with the Traverse started 24 years ago. Yes, well, I'm, I'm 41 now. And um, when I was in school, I, um, I thought I would get into banking or something like that. I wasn't quite sure what to do. And I went to a youth theatre on the Isle of um, uh, Uist, Ben Bekula, actually. And Philip Howard was there. He was a director here when Ian Brown was the artistic director. So I was probably, what, 16, 17 or something like that. And I met Philip. And um, I, I don't know what he must have... Um, we must have got on or he must have seen something. You know, I did, had no idea what I was doing, obviously, at that age. And he was very supportive, and out of that he gave me a 20-minute piece to do, you know, for as part of a, a season of short things, just to experience what it would be like putting something on the stage. Um, why were the Travers there? Well, if you th- it's amazing, isn't it, if you think about it, someone from, from the very far north of Scotland on the, in the islands, and the theatre in Edinburgh, that it had that kind of reach. Um, um, so um, the Travers have always been... Um, They've always gone out across the country and uh, there's a, a lot of good feeling towards the Travers for all the tours they've done in the Highlands and Islands over the years and they've built up a, a real following. Mm, fantastic. So you started writing this short piece for Philip and then how did that relationship progress? Well, um, Philip then, um, he'd been at the Royal Court and he suggested that I go on their summer school for writers, actors and directors and uh, I didn't know what the Royal Court was, but I thought it sounded great. And um, so I went down pretty mm-hmm. green. <laughs> and uh, there was all sorts of people from all over the world. And we'd met, you know, people like Carol Churchill. And it's unbelievable now to think of it. <laughs> and we, we, um, yeah, obviously learned a lot. And I uh, thought, well, this is a really interesting world to, to be in, you know. And uh, I just, I, I really loved it. And I'd be, I'd be, I was writing anyway, you know, I was just writing a lot a lot by myself anyway so um um you, but you don't kind of think that uh you know where where will it go is is a question you know mm-hmm. um so I, I guess there's this uh, there's this question around um the beginning of a writer's journey 
and um, we've spoken about this before about whether a writer comes fully formed or whether there's a sense of development in their practice and I see from my point of view that every writer I work with is completely different but it would be interesting to hear your journey through mm -hmm. that and the development of becoming a playwright that can then write full commissions for places like The Traverse. Mm -hmm. Well I think initially it was it's very much uh, instinct really. Um, I hadn't really read uh, books, how-to books or anything like that mm -hmm. um, but I liked, I, I've, I think, well um, when I've worked with different people, I think people um, take in information from the world and then um, and then make sense of it in different ways. I worked with an animator and he would make little drawings all the time, so that was how he made sense of things. And uh, I make sense of things through through dialogue, really. That's how I, you know, listen to the world, and I, that's that's how it comes out. Not in pictures or everyone or in, uh, you know everyone. Has has their own way of expression. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so I would just uh, write things, and thankfully I, I had a, a, a you know a natural um, affinity for you know putting a bit of conflict into into, into it. And yeah. I, I come from a place where you know there's there's plenty of um, uh, natural storytelling. Yeah. So that helped me. But then come when you come to make a play, it's an entirely different thing. So uh, I. Uh, I, I got an enormous amount of support, really, mm -hmm. and um, I did um, the the next thing I did, which was really important, was a piece called Alexander Salamander, <laughs> the story of a teenage title. pyromaniac. That was just a twenty-minute one-person thing, one one actor playing multiple characters, and it was in Gaelic, but um, uh, and it was one of twenty shorts, and I was I put a lot of work into that. It's it's also as Woody Allen says. 90% of genius is turning up. A lot, <laughs> of it, a lot of it is putting work in. And um, we're all presented with uh, chances. And it's up to people whether they take these chances. Um, and I decided I was going to try and put everything into to, to take the chance. And uh, I was that went down well, and I got a full commission out of that. And it was this full commission, Homer, where I really learned uh, through going through the process what how to make a play mm. and Philip really taught uh, he didn't teach me but he showed me how, um, what dramaturgy was about and what was expected and the actors also helped me along and so um, if you're looking at uh, writer development that's just the very first part uh, I feel it, it took like 20 years of work until it's only in the last two or three years that I feel I've really started to get an understanding of a much better understanding, but also an understanding of there's there's a lot I, I don't know. <laughs> That's wonderful to hear. <laughs> it took you twenty years to know that there's a lot that you don't know. Yes, how wonderful. <laughs> um, and um, yes, um, and even in the last, uh, well, certainly in the last year, when I, well, when I worked with Vicky Featherstone, I had a lot of questions about structure, and. Um, what you could do in theatre and um, I was a bit lost really you know and um, so, so I tried to learn about that and learned well and, and did a few, a few plays I was lucky enough to do a few plays and experimented some which things which didn't work at all mm -hmm. and some things which did and um, so that's kind of that um, 
it's got me too weird I am just now but like um, hardly any writers just kind of spring fully formed from the Grecian soil like David Gregg or David Harrow or, or, or Mona Pearson you know we just <laughs> seem to I mean Knives and Hens I asked David you know where's, where does that where did that come from and he said he only, well he only felt like that um, he felt like that twice writing that he, he got to a certain place with that and with Blackbird and um, and uh, well Gagarin way as well so yeah. yeah no I was well I was I was thought well that was that would always be very nice but that's definitely not the path I've taken it's an incremental kind of building up of to, towards uh, you know getting better it's interesting reflecting on those writers and those specific plays as well because I'm sure they would also reflect that those plays have that sense of being fully formed but other plays may not have been such an easy easy maybe the wrong word but such a kind of natural um, forthcoming um, I think it's so important to reflect on all of the different variations of the writer's experience and that there's no one way mm. is that there's no golden ticket or, mm. or clear path you just respond as you go mm. so jump forward then to Iash and the residency with the um, University of Edinburgh it's quite a specific experience isn't it um, I'd like to ask uh, about what that experience was like but also what drew you to apply for that originally well um, I studied uh, Celtic at Glasgow University and um, I was always quite attracted to academia and um, I um, heard about Ayash and I know a couple of other writers who've done it and um, you get space for six months and in the department are lots of amazing scholars from around the world um, quite often touching on the Scottish Enlightenment um, and uh, so I, you know, I was really lucky to get to get into that environment I think it transformed a lot of things for me it gives you time to to read and and um, explore and you it's not just about writing you need to get out in the world you need to live as well um, and you've got to read and you've got to know about subjects and find things that interest you and have the time to pursue them. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, um, again, a very supportive department. Mm -hmm. and, and you get this wonderful office, don't you, yes. in the department there overlooking the meadows that we're terribly jealous of. Yes, it's very, it's very much an ivory tower. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Uh, Yes, I thought it suited me very well. I, I liked going out for <laughs> to that fancy Swedish coffee shop mm. with other academics and listened to them. Because, um, you know, you'd have meals every Tuesday and sometimes, you know, you feel the ground shifting under you when you start talking about certain subjects to people. They know them so well and so you just try and hang on sometimes with your fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you have these wonderful um, uh, seminars as well, don't you? Yes. Um, of people who are very, very specific PhD and uh, and above uh, scholars, and I've been in a couple of those where my mind feels like it's just melting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I know that feeling. Um, but there was a number of Boswellians there. I love James Boswell's writing uh -huh. in his London diaries. And, um, and and the, the man himself, you know, the man's story. And there's a number of Boswellians I latched onto there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of through that that I think it wasn't this the Devil Masters that I pitched as an idea. It was a different idea about taking um, Johnson and Boswell and uh, something to do with well, McPherson might make an, uh, an appearance, but to take these as types and to set them in a modern setting. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, then when I got into it, I, I learned about, um, I started reading David Hume, and I'd done him in university, but not understood very much at all, mm-hmm. and understood it better now, and started to discover Edinburgh, and um, I, I went to uni in Glasgow, but Edin- and Edinburgh is a fascinating place, um, and um, I did, I felt a bit like an anthropologist, really, mm-hmm. and I would live with people and different parts of Edinburgh and I would get to know what uh, what the people were like a bit yeah um and uh it was through you know um Hume and these various connections that I started to get into it Hume was in the National Library he worked he got into a wee bit of trouble reading these French texts um, the uh, the advocates school of advocates were instrumental in setting up the library they say there's maybe a tunnel between the two um, and uh, that brought me to advocates. Hmm. So, what about advocates um, really interested you to write the piece that you've ended up writing, which is very, very focused on the legal Edinburgh world? Yes, well, uh, um, a cousin of mine was becoming an advocate, and I was talking to um, my uncle, who's a big uh, influence on me. He's a writer and an academic, and, quite an, and he's an amazing man. And he told me about the, um, the process of deviling mm-hmm. that um, when the, um, someone wants to become an advocate they get a devil master and uh, after they go through the deviling they become junior counsel and then eventually after many years senior counsel QC and I thought well, that's quite interesting a devil master <laughs> I love what the playwright <laughs> picks up on inside <laughs> all of that the devil master the words <laughs> yeah. and um, advocates anyway are slightly are quite theatrically they play a role don't they mm-hmm. and um, and I, I like finding out little I like finding out how people organise themselves and create little traditions and um, uh, every field has a, a language which you have to learn to if you want to be part of that field um, and also advocates have many traditions which it's all a marker of are you in the club or are you not yeah Um but they also come from a, a long, 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 many, you know, long years of tradition and how they build up. Um, so I, I started learning about them a bit and um, talked to a few of them. Um, they can't, things like they can't wear their robes outsi- outside, even when they're walking between buildings. Right. And they're, they're, the wigs give them a certain anonymity. People, mm-hmm. It's even hard for people who know them to recognize them when they're in their wigs. Yeah. So there's reasons why they dress the way they do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just, there's a, they use a certain language when they're... Um, it's a kind of... Um, uh, ela- it's quite an elaborate language. Mm-hmm. And as as one of them said, you know, well, um, we could talk extremely simply, but that's what people want, that. Mm. Um, it's interesting. I want to pick up on um, something you just said about being in the club, mm-hmm. people that are in the club or not, because um, when we met and started um, exploring the play, the sense of the political story that's in there came out quite strongly for me and this sense of are you in the club or are you not 
then started to come to the fore. So I'd be interested to hear whether you whether you planned to write a piece of theatre that had a strong political edge or whether that just uh, arrived. I think... Um, for me... Um, I think, uh, yes, I was, I hadn't planned it, but I was aware that if you put certain types of characters um, on stage together, it's going to say something. Um, and, uh, you know, if you put someone who's um, upper class on stage in conflict with someone who's uh, working class, um, it can be quite, people can come to it in quite a binary way and say, oh, this is about class war. But what I'm interested in is, um, well, we all know that people construct their identities. They take um, things from all sorts of places um, and characteristics and how they act, how they speak to signify who they are and what their status is. And um, I'm not really interested in presenting that binary thing. I'm interested in seeing what's under the surface yeah. and seeing how people hide bits of themselves and... Um, construct these things and um, um, and put on, we're all putting on a show as Chris Rock says, we're all you don't meet s- the actual person when you meet someone, you, you meet their representative and it's, it's true, we all act a little bit and some jobs like advocates involve a lot more of that mm-hmm. performance. It was really um, watching the preview night, I felt very excited to see uh, two main characters who were very clearly right wing um, who really made me empathise for them at times and I think that's something that I haven't seen a lot of on stage recently um, and so that just in itself was a, a really exciting undercurrent to a story which has many many other layers going on um, I'd like to ask you about the development of the play because it's been through many a draft, hasn't mm-hmm. it? Yes. Um, it feels like a long and winding journey for you, so it would be great just to hear how that's been. Yes, I've got. I've started to accept the long and winding journey now with all the plays because um, um, I always think that the, every draft I do is is perfect, and that's that, and uh, post it off and see you later. But then I, I get some notes and I realize, yeah, maybe I was a bit too hasty to to think that. And yeah, it doesn't work, does it? Okay. And I, I fire into the next one. So um, there's a real process of uh, uncovering. It's happened to me a few times as well, where um, well, I think people mis- um, underestimate the amount of, of work, the volume people need to do to, to write a play. Um, uh, I'm sure, you know, David Harwar can probably knock one out between a couple of cups of coffee and it's perfect and um, not that I resent <laughs> him but I have thought of maybe uh, kidnapping him and locking him in a cupboard a couple of times and <laughs> making him write for me please don't your plays are wonderful well we would, we would miss David's plays as well maybe. <laughs> I, c- I wouldn't do that to the world yeah, I love his writing um, and um uh, where was it? Yes, um, and and through the process, it's a long process, so it takes um, it, it takes a bit of stamina. You know, n- novel writing takes a lot of stamina, and people think that because it's a play that it's short, it's it's easier. 
but um, say this took well seven to seven drafts and then well n- and then another two fine tuning and then another couple of weeks in rehearsals mm-hmm. fine tuning that um, and the drafts changed uh, enormously so the first draft was called the devil master and his children and there was two other characters in it and um, I worked with Orla on it and I worked with uh, um, Hamish Peary as well and yourself um, and I thought the sessions that we did were very useful because that, it came at the critical time for the play mm-hmm. where it it had um, it showed potential but it just wasn't uh, wasn't working so it could have gone either way I could have failed with it or um, um, but with the, the notes you gave me um, I um, yeah, I changed it radically so I, I uh, sometimes you have to be quite brave so you've produced all of this stuff and jokes that you love and characters you think oh I like them and stuff but you have to be able, be able to get rid of all of that mm-hmm. you've got to be able to get to get rid of an entire drafts and start again it was really interesting um, receiving the draft that you gave um, which then is close to what we see on stage because the questions, quite big questions that we were discussing um, you responded to so bravely like losing two characters was something which was um, proposed from you and I really felt um, I was really impressed by just how much you grabbed the, the deeper questions that we were discussing and just completely changed um, your own piece but under your own steam mm-hmm. um, yeah not as I say many writers work in different ways and some it, you'll just get um, a, a line will have changed and maybe that's that's all that they needed to do but you really did this huge overhaul so it was exciting thrilling and, and terrifying and wonderful mm-hmm. all at the same time mm-hmm. and I feel I feel very proud um, f- for all of us that of what's on stage at the moment well it's um I think uh, everyone uh, also it's it's hard of course to see from the outside just the sheer amount of input from other people there is you know it's um, there's a lot of people involved in, in the writing of a play and um, if, if you're starting out and um, well I think the best thing for people is if they can get to the to the stage I mean get to the stage where they can get a director and actors to work work with them on it to to bring it forward because I don't I, um, I haven't seen that many writers first well I've seen a number of writers first drafts um, through mentoring them and, and my own and you know the it's it is there are literally first drafts so not to get upset about it but to realize it's just the for an opening out of it mm, that's a good way of thinking of it an opening out and the first sharing hmm. um I'd like to um, ask what it feels like right now so you saw the first the second preview last night but the first time you'd seen your play and we're going into press night this evening and it's a strange time I think for a writer um, w- what are the emotions of today? Well there's, yeah, there's, qu- there's a lot of emotions um, under the surface um, I, I don't tend to I've got quite a busy day so thankfully I won't have time to take them out and examine them too closely <laughs> good stay busy <laughs> but I did a skydive once in New Zealand and it's slightly like that 
So you go up in the plane and your body doesn't realize what you're about to do. So you feel strangely calm, but you know something is going to happen. Yeah. And um, wonderful. And then we'll jump out of the plane later on, and then I'll. Well, when I skydived, I started screaming, but I couldn't hear myself. So well, it's pretty. It's I'm pretty not I'll sit next to you and give you a nudge if you start screaming <laughs> <Yeah>. tonight. <laughs> oh, how wonderful! It's been really, really great talking to you, Ian, and you I too. really look forward to this evening. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from the Traverse Theatre, Edinburgh. For more information, please log on to www.traverse.co.uk.